0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 342.
1: Just whatever you do, whatever you put your time into, whatever relationships you value, give it your all, give it your best. And when you make mistakes, try to ask for forgiveness to those you offended. You know, that happens, so I think that's key. Yeah. This is
0: Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration.
2: So get in, sit down,
0: buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit, with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Keith Collins. Keith, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Yes, I am. I'm ready.
0: All right. Great to have you here. Keith Collins is a Los Angeles-based artist and designer who's been creating handmade tapestries for over five decades. His works include interior rugs for residences and businesses, custom car mats, and original wall hangings and paintings. His creations include a selection of wall tapestry consisting of more than 100 colors of mixed media. Through a labor-intensive process and sewn with vintage sewing machines, Keith's tapestries are incredible paintings created in fabric. His art hangs in private homes, garages, shops, and collections around the world. They're prized for their uncompromising craftsmanship and photographic-like quality. You have to see his work to believe it. It's absolutely fantastic. So, Keith, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles and motorcycles and creating art?
1: Okay. Well, my career, my professional career, began in the uh, early 70s, around 73 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recognized at that time, even though I'd been an artist all my life, I didn't recognize I, I was one until 70s or even 80s. And my career began by making rugs for homes. And during this time, I always loved cars and always always thought I had something special that I was driving myself. Uh-huh. So I had a real passion for them. And I remember thinking to myself, what if I took the experiences and the expertise I have with making carpets and rugs for homes, and I did the same thing with people's automobiles? Mm. And... Uh, that's how the whole thing began. So I began doing portraits in uh, of people's automobiles and it took off really well. It really took off well. I'm based in Los Angeles, California, which is probably one of the car capitals of the world. So it, <laughs> yes. it did well. Yeah. And then also the, the, the car mat idea came simultaneously. So that's, that's been a real successful thing too.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the first time I learned about you, I was at a, a collector's garage up here in the Pacific Northwest and he has a very large garage and hanging up high was this huge piece of art. And I was standing there, and I said, who did the painting? And he said, well, that's Keith Collins, but it's not a painting. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it's made out of tapestry fabric. It's carpet material. And I I went, what? And I climbed up on a ladder because it was up high, and I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a painting. And I've seen uh, your work at Bruce Canapa's place and at other people's homes, and you and I met at the Cavalino event probably Gosh, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, What you're doing is so unique and so incredible and so beautiful. That's why I'm so thrilled to have you here on the show. So as we move through the questions here, we're going to learn a little bit more about some of the techniques and what you do. But I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Keith, take the
1: wheel. (laughs) Well, I think I had a mentor in the 70s, and it's, this has always stayed with me as far as the success quote is concerned. He said, it's not so much what you do, because you, know, you have to do it well, but the most important thing is how you present it. So he kind of gave me this quote that it's about the presentation. So I've kept that, not just in my work, but in me as a person. So that's, that's my success quote. Well, presentation is key.
0: tell me a little bit about this, because presentation, when it comes to artwork and how you present artwork, mm-hmm. a lot of artwork, photography, paintings, drawings are framed. But your artwork right. doesn't really need a frame, because it stands on mm-hmm. its own. So tell me a little bit of how you've mm-hmm. incorporated that concept into what you do.
1: Well, you know, I, I typically, when I have a commission piece, I'll, I'll schedule um, an unveiling of it when we deliver it to the client. And depending upon the size of the piece, they can be pretty dramatic. So have they're usually covered, and there's a, you know some words I might not I will say not might say and let the excitement heighten and then I remove this veil it snatch his veil off and it has quite a, quite an impact. I remember one particular two different two different presentations that are pretty strong ones probably one of my two or three of my my best ones. Mm-hmm. The first one would be with Otis Chandler, and we had worked on it, this tapestry for him probably for over a year, and uh, it was forty feet by eighteen feet and we was at a museum in Oxnard.
0: Oh my gosh. And we had a
1: big dinner a, you know, a big dinner and everything and I had uh, made sewn together this giant black canvas to cover it. And uh it was time to unveil it and uh I asked if he was ready. He said, You're ready and I yanked it off and the, the drape fell and he just almost passed out. He said, This is this is my life story. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. That was quite remarkable and wow. quite huge
2: oh gosh yeah, yeah. so,
1: so yeah, that was incredible also I did a I did a piece for well I did about 13 pieces from Michael Jackson in the 80s and I had a presentation with him that was also that was dramatic it was really a one-on-one meeting with he and I in one of his small resting rooms and I unveiled uh, a tapestry of him and the little rascals and um, it's pretty incredible he I remember him saying to me he said, you know, he said, your mom must be really proud of you. And that's what came out of his mouth. And I, I remember that as well. <laughs> that, was, that was huge. Wow. He bought a bunch of the stuff. Right? And then the third one, Peter Mullen, a dear friend, a client, he actually owns the museum that once was Otis Chandler's an Oxmart. You probably know that. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. I had a presentation to make to him, and he's very busy, always busy, and you have to schedule a appointment with him. And sometimes I only have, like, 15 minutes. I know one of his favorite cars was. I think it was a 37 Delahaye. And I actually did a tapestry of it. It wasn't a commission piece, but I felt confident. We'd been working together for many years. I felt confident he would, he would buy this piece and put it in the museum. Uh-huh. So there was no other way to show it than I rented a, a giant stake truck, about a 26-foot stake truck. Yeah. And we drove to his home, and I parked out front, and we, we hung it over the side of the, the wood wooden stake, so it draped itself down on the side of this gigantic truck. Okay. And I went inside and got him. And he walked outside. He was on the phone. And he just dropped the phone. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, "Okay, okay, okay. I'm not a place for it yet, but you know I will, right?" And that was a good. There's tons of them, but you yeah. know those are some names I recognize.
0: Wow, absolutely phenomenal! Wow, really, really cool. I love that. Would you tell me a story that instigated your passion for cars? I know you've been a car guy for a long time, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew, you know what? I'm a car guy.
1: I think it was probably, when I was a child, I, one of the things I used to do was I spent a lot of time alone creating models, like Revell and one of the, the test store and those model-made companies. Oh, yeah. Um, and I used to spend a lot of time creating models. And I did all types of things. My favorite ones were automobiles. And um, I just really enjoyed that. And I remember a friend of my dad's always had these great cars. And I remember he came by and visited once. And it was time for him to leave. And he got into his car and began to back out the driveway. And I was standing there looking at it because at the time I was racing slot cars. It was probably 65 or so, maybe 66, uh-huh. around there.
2: Yeah.
1: And I remember looking at this going, you know, I had that slot car. And what it was, it was a Ford GT.
2: Oh, wow. And it was
1: blue with a white stripe. He was driving on the street, no plates. Uh, and he was just all that. I remember looking at it going, you know, I really like this. I really like this deal. <laughs> I think that, that moment kind of like sealed the deal as far as just the, the impact it had of him just backing out. A, I mean, at the time they weren't replicated, it was a real Ford GT. Yeah. It was, it, it was V1. Oh, my God. And I remember seeing him going, that's got to be the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I think that was the moment that I think kind of got my attention and, you know, kind of cemented me as a car guy oh my you know, gosh child, yeah challenge child gone. yes that was that story yeah wow it more of course, that's the one it got yeah
0: well if you're gonna get bit by the bug a gt40 the real deal <laughs> man that's a car that'll make an impression on a young <laughs> right. man <laughs> Right. that's right. very cool i'd love to talk a little bit about a challenge here keith i'd love for you mm. to take us down a road where you've really you know, met up with a challenge or even a great failure. Mm. You've chosen a career, a mm. life around art that's, that can be mm. really challenging. And But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that particular situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn?
1: There's probably, you know, there's peaks and valleys with this whole deal and there's failures and with the victories. And I think when, it, when I think of the things that appear to be failures, I think the first one would probably be um, the time when I had a a fire at my home. And I've had two, in my life I had two fires. Oh my gosh. In my home. The first one was a rental property. And I remember I had, um I had, an, this would have been like around 74, I had a, a 58, 56A Porsche a coupe. And I remember I sold it because I wanted to put the money into uh, materials mm-hmm. or carpet. But so I found this guy I was going out of business. Now I know why, but I found this going out of business and I... <laughs> And I bought all, everything. I sold my car. I bought everything he had, all of his scraps, materials.
2: Yeah.
1: And I remember I, my first studio was in the home, was in the garage, and I remember making things. I remember coming home one night, and I saw a puff of smoke in, in front of my house, not in front of the door, but like on the sidewalk, away from the house. And I was thinking, you know, somebody's these in the old car, smoke in my house. Open the door, and the house was laid. So everything was everything I had was lost. Oh, and my. And uh, I thought to myself... Uh, what am I going to do now? And I thought, well, there weren't any options. I'll just regroup. I'll get some more money and I'll get some more stuff. And then shortly after, I went a game show called The Match Game. That would have been in 76. Oh, and okay. uh, it was a Match Game PM. Mm-hmm. And I went on that show and I was down by, I think, five to nothing or so. And I had one more chance to match them all. And I matched them all. Ended up winning the grand prize, which at that time was $11,000. And then um, I took that money and I put that money into it again so here we go again so that would probably be the the first time and then, then later in life you know from a personal standpoint uh i have five children and i i went through a divorce in the early 90s and that was devastating for me and uh yeah that's something that uh that's a scar i mean i i'm i praise god that i've uh overcome it but it's still a scar that's probably the probably the most difficult time the fires they come and go i had that later on and uh but that was probably the most uh difficult time in my life and uh, but you know i still hung hung in there with god's help and i pursued what i was doing and pulled out of it but so that was that would be it that's that's the real deal you want the real answer that's the real answer
2: yeah well that's you know it.
0: first and foremost you shared two very personal stories there and i had a, a guest on mm-hmm. my, my 200th uh, guest here on Carja yeah was <laughs> dennis gage <laughs>
1: oh, tv right. show
0: dennis gage yeah i've been on the air for 20 years and his house burned down while he was visiting uh, his mother, who was dying from cancer at the time. And it, you know, when we face these personal things in our lives, I mean, how you move forward and what they teach you. So maybe, real quickly, you could share. You know, going through two fires. Oh my gosh, bad enough to go through one, you know, second, but two. Yeah,
1: the second fire was more devastating because I, you know, my 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 entire this was a home I owned, and my entire home was gutted. You
2: know, oh my gosh.
1: It was very difficult.
0: Yeah, and then going Mm -hmm. through a divorce, which is so painful and so Mm. difficult. So uh, what are these types of tragedies, what did you learn from them, and how did you take that lesson forward to to pick yourself up and move forward?
1: Well, uh, I think that, you know, I referred to my faith earlier, my belief in God, my belief in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and I think uh, I leaned on him. He's the only person who will let you down, and I think he pulled me through it. Mm. Other than that, I couldn't have made it, so that's my answer.
0: There you go. Great answer. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Let's let shift gears here, Keith, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to okay. share one of those career, like I, I like to call it an aha moment in your career. It's, it's a time when ah. the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for this new idea, this new direction you have, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success.
1: I think, as far as my career is concerned, in yeah. my career now, mm-hmm. okay, I think when I when I made the transition, I'm still making custom rugs, tapestries, still enjoying that. When I made the transition, or not the transition, but the addition to reinvent myself in painting, oil painting, I remember talking to Peter Mullen about it. And uh, he was saying, well, you know, why do you want to paint? I mean, you, you do the other things so well. I don't know about that idea. <laughs> so, I, so what I did was, instead of, Talking about the idea, I picked out uh, one of his cars, and actually, one of the scenes, is actually his, um, the yellow voisin, that you have. And I, oh, I actually did a painting of it in his home, kind of underground garage, subterranean garage. And I did that one, and I think he looked at it and he goes, Okay, you got it. You got it. <laughs> and let's do some more. And I've done several more since then for him from his, uh, Dubonet and the Talbot, and uh, maybe, a, I've del- also maybe done. a
0: Delahaye, or you know, I mean, he's yeah, got so have, many.
1: The Delahaye, was, you know, Delahaye was a tapestry. I did a 20 foot tapestry for him. That's at the Museum in Oxford. It's 20 feet. That's incredible.
2: Wow. That's a
1: Delahaye, and it's actually parked on Pebble Beach overlooking the, you know, the, the scenery there, the, the harbor. Oh, yeah. And that would probably be that one. But I did, I think I did that one. I'm currently actually working on two paintings for him now, which are going to be pretty incredible. Oh, my God. One is uh, Bugatti uh, Adla- uh, what is it? The Atlantic. Adla-
2: the Atlantic. Yeah, Adlantique.
1: Yeah. T- right. Adlantique, as he yeah. <laughs> and the other one is a portrait of uh, him winning a few years ago. He won the um, Pebble Beach Best of Show. Oh, I've yeah. I've been working on these pieces back And these are the longest pieces I've, ever, I've I've been working on both of these for over three years now. And I think the detail level is insane. It drives me crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm not night round. Right, when I get off the phone, I'll go back to it now. So, <laughs> But as far as that, I think a change direction would probably be that moment. And as an artist, I think it's important that we reinvent ourselves. So, oh, yeah. you know, right now I'm doing other things too, but that would be something, a bookmark moment I could think of. Oh, ah,
0: yeah. wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. How about proudest career moments? I assume you've had many. You mentioned some, I mean, you've created art for some amazing people, amazingly creative mm-hmm. and successful mm-hmm. people in the world, but for you, is there one moment you can pick out that stands out that really made you feel great, really made you feel proud about what you do?
1: One moment. That's a tough one. That's really <laughs> tough. One moment. Hmm. I think, uh, let me think here. One, that's a hard one. One moment. One moment in time.
0: Yeah, something hmm. that really made you feel proud. Maybe it's something you, you did for someone that was special to them or... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a charity thing you did or, you know,
1: they raised a I th- lot of money. I, you know, I, I, I'll, tell you what I, I, I'll tell you what I recall. Looking back, I did not realize how special it was at the time, but looking back on it, I did um, some paintings for Otis Chandler. I can't recall exactly when now, but it was it was not much time had passed before he actually passed. And I remember he commissioned four paintings of his motorcycles, Mm-hmm. One was um one was I think uh, a pope. One was a Henderson. One was the '07 um, Harley. There's another one I can't think of right now, but I remember doing the first one for him. And at the time, I didn't know how ill he was, but I remember him telling me, "It looks really, it looks better than I thought it would. I'm really happy with this." And like I said, at the time, I didn't realize how special that moment was. And I saw him again. And after that, I, as the second pan delivered, he goes, "I really like that." And I remember him telling his secretary, "Keep can pick up a check, whatever he wants, just give it to him." And I look back, and the last time I saw him,
2: oh, and I wow. think,
1: I think people were telling me at that point, uh, he really wasn't aware too much of what was going around mm-hmm. him at the time. But I'm even getting chills now. But I think our relationship was deep enough that he wanted to make sure I was taken care of. Yeah, right. And uh, I, had no, I had no idea. I had no idea that his days would, were, would be short. Yeah. And that, that looking back on it now, and it wasn't about the, the money part. It was just the fact that he thought about me. And, and whereas, while well, I understand he was um, out of touch with a lot of other things. So that that was really precious.
0: Wow. Yeah, very special yeah. moment. Well, thank you again. Yeah. That's another wonderful mm-hmm. uh, personal moment you've shared with us, which is absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah, he was a dear, very dear friend of mine. He was, a very, he was a dear friend of mine. Most of my clients end up being dear friends of mine. We do more than one piece
0: together. <laughs> well, you're an easy guy to be a friend with, Keith. You're just such a nice guy. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You talked about having that Porsche 356A, but is there one car that was your really first special vehicle that stands out for you?
1: Uh, well, this is, I don't know how fun this is because I miss it, but um, there's a car I always wanted. When I got the coupe I always wanted a speedster and I said, I want a speedster. And I remember I bought several coupes after that. From um I had a fifty three, a fifty four, seven. They were all coupes. And I finally I saw an ad in the LA Times magazine for a fifty six speedster. And I went and bought it and I was just so happy with it. And then shortly after that, a buddy of mine came across what I was, what I consider the car for me at the time that was a '58 Speedster, uh. and he said I, I I found this car but I want a lot for it. And at the time it was thirty one. I don't it was thirty one thousand dollars. I want cash.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I
1: just I just sold something, and I uh, used the money to buy that. And as soon as I bought it, I found another car, a coupe that had Rudge knockoffs on it, a GT tank.
0: Ooh, nice.
1: Something else, and I took the uh, Rudges off and put on my speedster. Put the GT tank in the car, and for a long time, I I, uh, I had that car. That was probably oh, the
0: car. Oh gosh, yeah, that's one. You know, I was born in '58, so I've always wanted a '58 mm. speedster. So, mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. the rudge, oh my mm-hmm.
1: rudge knocked off GT, a GT tank, and it was an original, all original car, original paint, original interior. Wow. And um, yeah, so that that was that was the car for me, and probably still. As far as cars that I, I think do really get my attention, the simplicity of that car, so gets my attention. So I really, uh, yeah, at yeah. the cars. too. Yeah. Uh, we mm-hmm.
0: both speak in the same language there. So,
1: <laughs> well, let's uh,
0: talk for a moment about sellers' remorse. Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage?
1: The same car. That car. Yeah. car.
0: yeah. I'll bet. I was afraid you were going to say car, that. Man. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. You know, I, I know they're gone through the roof, but it's not. It wasn't. You know, it's gone through the roof. As far as what they're they're valued now, even if they weren't, I still, there was just something about that car. I remember it was so low, I could drive under the arms at parking, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, those parking arms. Yeah,
0: parking garage. I could go under them. Yeah.
1: I could go under them. Yeah. I could go under those things.
0: (laughs) I had a Beck 550 Spider that was so low that you could drive under those things. uh, Oh, yeah. I was was with Uh, my son one time on the freeway when he was about nine years old and we were next mm. to a big semi-truck, he goes, Dad, you could drive right under that truck. Oh. <laughs> and we both looked at each other, and then he goes, don't do it. <laughs>
1: no, no, that's not necessary. No, 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 we not could, not. but we don't mm-hmm.
0: need to do it to prove anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. How about current mm-hmm. projects? You're always working on something, but is there something you're working on right now today that really has you excited and fired up?
1: I think the paintings that I mentioned to you for Peter Mullen, the the new ones I'm doing now, mm-hmm. the uh, Atlantique in the Museum as well as his, uh, incredible Pebble Beach, best show moment. I think those two are because of the scale of them. They're uh, they're uh, nine feet. They're oil. and They're nine feet wide, and six feet high, and the detail level.
0: Nine feet wide.
1: Yeah, oh my. Yeah, yeah. Well, I with my tapestries. What I think the thing about it is, I like large scale, so my, my paintings are usually large as far as paintings go. You know, wow. I think the. Uh, yeah, I, I actually did. Uh, I did a painting um, a couple of years ago. It was 10 feet, and they're oil, and they're very detailed. So, like, for example, me, there's tons of reflections. There's just any particular section is fascinating. You don't know what it is. You can zero on it, and you can be fascinated by it. So, of yeah. course, it's a very slow process, but um, I think that's probably um, what I think I'm most excited about not so much about doing it, but finishing it. I'm talking about. Because I don't think it's not making much progress, you know, like an inch a week or something. It seems like a pleasure oh, week. But I think I it's think exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I'll tell our listeners for those of you who have not had the pleasure of experiencing Keith's work, when you go and look at his website and you look in detail, and if you ever have the luxury of seeing his work in person, you'll see what we're talking about because. He loves detail, and and even in the tapestries, what amazes me about your work, Keith, is when you go and look at a piece up close, it looks like a wonderful menagerie of colors, and then as you get further back, it turns into a picture, a lot like watching or seeing a Monet painting or something, you know, the huge Monet paintings. When you look up close to something, you go, what is that? And you stand back, oh, it's a lily pad, so... Right, you've you've just done a marvelous job. Well, I can't wait to see these paintings. Ah, uh, absolutely wonderful. Now, here's a very introspective question that I love to ask people, especially artists, because I call this the Harold Cleworth question. Harold's a, mm-hmm. a local artist up there in Los Angeles. Oh, I know Harold. You yeah, you know Harold. I know Harold. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, Definitely. he's the one that gave me the idea for this question. So, okay, here we go. It's very introspective. <laughs> if you were a car, Keith, what kind of car would you be,
1: and why? On what kind of car he'd be? Probably some the fins on it. You know, you know
0: on what? One. I'll tell you what kind of car he said he's a combination of a uh, beer rich Cadillac,
1: and the back fins, yeah. and the front would yeah.
0: be a British car like a Morgan or an Austin Healey. Yeah, <laughs>
1: because he's from there. That's that. From of there. course, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, if I if I was a car, hmm, hmm, I think I think a major part of me would probably be a Porsche speedster because of the simplicity and the openness of that top. You know, mm-hmm. Even though I'm, I'm still, I've still got a very private side, there's a part of me that's, that wants to be very open and attempts to be. I think that would be probably that. I think as far as, um, and I think as far as, a, that'd be a vintage, more vintage, and of course now this car is in this too, but I think, and then on the other, other part of me, I think it would like to be an Enzo. Ooh. I think I just the lines of the Enzo and are just incredible, and then the strength of an F40. So I think probably that Porsche Speedster, and it's you know the F40, the rawness of an F40, power of it, the strength of it, and the way it shakes, and just the speed, just the just just it, yeah. and then the uh, the Enzo as far as being a sculpture. So I think the, those three, they're, they're they're far apart, simplicity and no power to serious power. So somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: I've seen uh, several of your tapestries of those vehicles, which is mm-hmm. pretty darn cool. I remember seeing an Enzo uh, piece that you did, I believe, when I was at Cavalino mm-hmm. 2008, I believe you might have had that there. Right. But, uh, yeah, and I've seen the F40. So, and have you done a tapestry of a speedster?
1: Uh, yeah. Actually, I did one probably, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, wow. And I worked with one my, a dear friend of mine, Richard Petruska, Mm-hmm. Who's, um, who that we just go way back as far as the early stages of, um, doing automobiles and tapestries. He designed most of those early pieces, and it was one of his designs that I actually transposed into, um, okay, um, a, a speedster. And we did it for uh, a client and a friend, Peter Dunkel. Okay. Good car guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Peter.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, Keith, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah <laughs> sponsor. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, we're back and we're entering the last lap, Keith. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle, or in your case, blips of the sewing machine, answers. Okay, mm-hmm. are you ready? Mm-hmm. Right, ready. Right. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Change oil. <laughs> Regularly. Regularly. <laughs> there
0: you go. There's a guy after a, yeah. a, a vintage car mind for sure. Could uh, you share uh, one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years?
1: I think passion and I think um, discipline. Not overall because I'm not a vi- I'm, I strive to be a disciplined person. I strive to be an organized person. but I'm not organized. When it comes to my work, it's the one thing that I do as a human that I would say the focus is is unbelievable. Like even today, you know, it's hot here, it's it's completely hot in LA here. Yeah. I'm going to be going into my garage and I'll be paying probably, once I get going, probably to about, I don't know, I'll do like a 10-hour stretch. Wow. And I'll just be into it. So I think the things that I lack in all the areas of my life, (laughs) uh, they're they're pretty strong when it comes to my work, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we're doing this show, eh, it's about one thirty in the afternoon on the West Coast right now, so you're going to be out there painting till 1.00, 2.00 in the morning here after we finish yeah. up. So, uh, yeah, perseverance, discipline, very important for anyone, mm-hmm. especially entrepreneurs. Is there a resource, <clears throat> one in particular, that you're really fond of that you think our listeners would enjoy? Maybe it's a website mm-hmm. or a blog, something <clears throat> that you really like?
1: I think, uh, which doesn't, I, I think, I think what, when I think of supplying me with, I think motivation is probably what I'm supplied by most, and that would be my two favorite painters. Even though they're not they're not car guys, as a matter of fact, I don't think there was a car around when Vincent van Gogh was alive.
0: <laughs> probably so, not.
1: <laughs> no, but Vincent van Gogh, because of the passion I can see in the strokes and the texture and the thick paint, I like to use thick paint. Yeah. Uh, and also the texture. I like texture. I, could, I like to think of the person that even if, was outside could feel my work with their, with they touch, with their touch. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's my as far as one one that comes to mind. Yeah. And then my second one, which would be pretty way out, would be um, Jean-Michel uh, Basquiat. His work is is just raw creativity to me. So those two would probably be the the two that get my attention and probably inspire me. And both of them had you know, tragic endings, but while they were alive, they show a, a lot of passion and, you know, love what they did. So I think, oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Or is this Definitely.
0: Of no, on? I love those um, great answers. And how about a book, Keith? Is there one book in particular that you've enjoyed that you think the Cars Out listeners would enjoy?
1: I think Peter Mullen's book, I like pictures. I, I like his pictures of his car. I think Peter Mullen's book, the one, I don't know if it's called French Curve, but there's a book he did. The thing about you know, I don't want to really read a bunch of technical stuff about cars. I, I like to look at look at the photos of them and see how they're caught in the light. And
2: sure. I
1: think the, the photo books are the ones that get my attention. There's some some books that that were done specifically of his cars, and I really like I like that a lot. So that yes. I also like to look at some of the the early. I have a few of the Ferrari um, these little series they used to do in the, with the red covers. I have a couple of those um, series, and I like to look at the history and also. Those cars, so I like. I like those. Like the the Ferrari series they yeah. have. Oh yeah, like a fantastic. Magazine book kind of thing, yeah. yeah so I yeah, like that.
0: Absolutely. Well, the the book French Curves, yes, a photography by. I think
1: it's Paul Fitzgerald. I French, think it is yeah. Paul Fitzgerald. Yeah, it is, yeah. and
0: by Michael Furman, who's been a guest here mm-hmm. on the show. His photography right. is phenomenal, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful stuff. Well, let's, listeners, you can find links to these resources at carsyeah slash Keith Collins. Just put Keith mm-hmm. in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, Keith, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question, <laughs> uh, maybe I know how you're going to answer it, but you might surprise us. It can be a real doozy. If you could only <laughs> have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object today, it doesn't matter how much it's escalated in price, because I'm going to write the check. What would that <laughs> one vehicle be and why?
1: I think it would be Peter Mullins' Delahaye, his red one, the one that won the Paris Auto Show. I think that's just like uh, the most... Extreme automobile I've ever been connected with and seen and sat in and the red with the white uh, pigskin interior I think I think that's where but it's that that car it reminds me of um, when I was a kid I used to watch Body Mouse and the Wolf always drove a car like that, that when he would go on the mountain curves it would bend at the curves and I think <laughs> Peter has that car you know he's always stealing Mighty Mouse's girlfriend he's driving that same car and I think my little look at uh, it's, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be Peter's car and Peter. You know, it's just it's just all that. He's all yeah, that, I think. yeah. That would be if I could have one car. Of course, it's, you can't really park anywhere. You know, I don't know what you know. I don't know what you can do with it. But if it's one car and a place for it, that would be, be it. That would be I know the uh, Automatika is the is the you know the kind of like B car, mm-hmm. and most of them are because of this quest for them. But I, that red Delahaye with that white interior—that's just it.
0: Oh, that car is, you know, you're the first one to pick that car, and that car is a work of art. It is like a giant yeah. rolling scope, those huge rounded oh, yeah. fenders and well, that well, long yeah. front end. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like those, yeah. uh, now I see what you mean, the uh, the E. Yeah. Coyote driving the car that actually bends around the curve. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. wow. Well, what a wonderful <laughs> choice. I can see why you would choose that being the creative mind that you are. It is mm-hmm. an absolutely spectacular car. Wow. Absolutely mm-hmm. great. Well, Keith, you've taken me on a great ride today, and, and I knew it would be mm-hmm. fun talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey through art with our listeners here today. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset mm-hmm. in Peter Mullins, Delahaye?
1: hmm right. <laughs> I think it's not it's not very complicated, and, and I think most people have heard it before, but just whatever you do, whatever you put your time into whatever relationships you value. Give it give it your all. Give it your best. And when you make mistakes, try to ask for forgiveness to those you offended. You know, and that happens. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's key. Yeah.
0: yeah, great advice, my friend. I love it. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing?
1: Well, you can look me up. You can Google my name, Keith Collins, or Keith Collins Creative. And uh, you can contact me if you want to talk to me about anything. I, I'm open for all that. And I think that's the best
0: way. Yep, you've got a great website. And again, listeners, you can find links to everything Keith's been so gracious to share with us today at com. Just put Keith in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up, and you'll find links to his website and all the great references he shared today. Keith, hey, thanks, buddy, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and taking a little break out of your uh, your hot L.A. day. I hear it's gosh <laughs> close to 100 degrees down there today it's yeah, really, yeah, really warm yeah, yeah. Man, it's been a hot summer yeah, yeah. but uh, I hope you can uh, hide away there in your garage and enjoy some painting yeah. today and, and being creative yeah. until we talk again I'll see you down the road
1: ok thank you Mark you're welcome All right,
0: thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah drive on over to com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun